0: Chapter Thirty of Lady Jim of Curzon Street. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lady Jim of Curzon Street by Fergus Hume. Chapter Thirty. there are periods in the growth of a tree when the sap unable to circulate freely coagulates into knots and protuberances leah had heard some empirical dabbler in science say as much and recognized it as a truthful symbol of her existence for the twelve months following jim's return there was certainly a knot in her life for somehow in an unaccountable way things seemed to be at a standstill before intermeddling with criminal matters she had indulged her senses in every possible way and now that she had receded within the legal limits of action she was prepared to indulge them again to her surprise they did not respond and she discovered that the nursery stage of enjoyment had been passed that intermezzo of fierce endeavour of scheming and fighting of dancing on the edge of a precipice and of wandering in perilous ways had ruined her for untroubled days and comfortable nights while battling with desperate fortunes she had detested the storm and necessary stress of the encounter now she longed to set her forces in array once more and dare the worst the salt had lost its savour and her vitiated palate demanded pepper red pepper hot and biting to flavour the good things ready for her eating at life's banquet but leah found as many had done before her that desire is better than success that there is more zest in striving than in attaining she had longed for ample funds and since she possessed full control of the pentland income this longing was almost but not quite satisfied nevertheless her soul was hungry still she bought everything she fancied and scarcely cast a look on her most costly and attractive purchases she travelled with the luxurious surroundings of a queen and only felt bored she stopped at home and yawned incessantly twice round the clock she would have willingly remunerated the inventor of a new pleasure but like xerxes she could not find so imaginative a man it was truly lamentable to think that she should possess the moon she had cried for only to find it was but a used-up world jim on the contrary flourished healthily under his strawberry leaves and this best of all possible world satisfaction added to his wife's exasperation daily he grew stouter and more plethoric daily he made the same stupid observations and daily he indulged in the gross material pleasures dear to his infinitesimal soul which was being smothered in superabundant flesh you are like a pig removed into a new sty his wife scornfully informed him not a bad sty answered the duke looking round the room good enough for middle-class people but not for us jim we are desperately poor as duke and duchess that's so leah but you spend most of the income i have a right to don't forget what i have done for you you give me no chance said her husband bitterly every time we have a row you mention things that needn't be mentioned and after all leah you got me back for your own convenience i'm not so sure of that i wish now that i had kept the thirty thousand which we had to pay back and had let you remain where you were on board strangers odd job steamer it wasn't so bad though i was chained by the leg i learnt a lot about injuns there used to watch em when she was bumping through hurricanes they were triple expansion too it was fun to watch the old scotch engineer with his hand on the throttle valve and hear him curse when the screw leaped sky-high to race like a motor i've had worse times much worse he spoke with more animation than usual and leah sympathised with his enthusiasm she also would have enjoyed herself on a rotten hulk with doubtful engines and an hourly chance of going down into the great green seas the excitement would have been intense and the death a clean one perhaps jim had forgotten the softer emotions of man when the tramp stormed north with every rivet in her hull straining for dispersion she wondered i suppose you missed signorita Fayardo then no curiously enough i didn't there was too much fun in thinkin what would come next to bother about her i'm a bit of a philosopher leah an when i can't get cake i chew bread now i've got the cake i'm enjoying it and eaten too much of it look how stout you are getting respectable men always get stout when they grow old you are not old i'm a bit Elderly, somehow, I don't enjoy larks so much as I used to mused Jim thoughtfully, sign of age, I suppose, but I dare say I'll get some sort of fun out of life, and maybe we'll need old Jarvie Peel's money at sixty. It'll be more than thirty thousand by then, less the six thousand you paid strange, said his duchess cruelly jim winced bit of a pull that eh nice fancy price i've had to pay for your fun leah it was to bring you back to make you a duchess you mean one would think you were middle-class to hear you talk of titles in that respectful way who bothers about such things nowadays i've been bored to death since strangers blackmail turned you into a pauper duke her husband made a grimace at this very plain speaking i wish you wouldn't talk like that leah hang it i thought you really loved me when you fainted on my return all acting my good man she assured him annoyed by his recalling that twelve-month-old weakness i had to impress the family somehow then you don't love me said jim slowly what a question to ask after nearly seven years of married life but i'm respectable now urged jim setting forth the contents of the new page he had turned over i don't race or bet overmuch and never look at a pretty woman i go to church and sit in the lord's and take the chair at charity dinners and you do that last because you love eating all the charity funds are spent on the victuals and the poor get about a penny in the collected pounds oh you are quite a model jim and so dull this is but a sample of the few conversations the ducal pair allowed themselves for they did not foregather with any enthusiasm for propriety's sake the duke and duchess of pentland were seen together at the few functions they could attend during the months of mourning their home life was outwardly harmonious and the crying down of a grass widow which had been heard during those weeks of suspense following strangers arrest had changed to crying up when it was seen how very correctly the new duchess behaved therefore they saw one another only officially save on rare occasions leah found jim dull as she had frankly told him and he winced always at his wife's tongue which had lost none of its cutting power even his stupid brain grasped the fact that she was changed though in what way he could not exactly say she was certainly restless and his bovine contentment with things as they are could not understand this phase also she was dissatisfied although she had secured all she had wanted by almost a miracle rum creatures women soliloquized the philosopher sauntering to his club if you gave em the solar system to play with they'd howl for the universe which was a high flight for jim to take in the way of metaphor leah sometimes thought that the long period of mourning might have darkened her outlook on life she and jim were forced by a ridiculously particular world to live quietly and she could not indulge herself to the full a constant succession of black dresses palled on one fond of colours and custom forbade her filling the various ducal residences with amusing people who in any case were almost impossible to find then as leah stated they were really poor considering the title what with regiments of servants and the stately mansions which housed them the horses and carriages and motors and rents and taxes and unnecessary personal expenditure and equally unnecessary charities it was truly difficult to make two aristocratic ends meet the duchess of pentland had to contrive and arrange almost as much as had lady jim from two thousand a year to twenty-five times that amount seems a large jump but the title nullified the value of the estates leah ardently prayed that the fetish would increase the incoming and decrease the outgoing but her bail seemed to think that it had done enough even for so devout a woman am i never going to have a good time wailed leah later she found that the wail was unnecessary for the fetish pitied his worshipper and granted her prayer coal of the best quality was found on a welsh property of the kames family and hall prophesied that in a year or two the ducal income would be doubled leah took heart at this sign of grace as one really could manage pretty well on one hundred thousand a year but a pound a minute was leah's idea of a moderate income and then she would have grumbled that each hour only brought her in sixty sovereigns however she decided to spend what she had and what was coming along from the cold to the last farthing and arranged when the year of sorrow was ended as it now was to take her place in the very gayest of society she would be presented again this season according to custom and then would see about exhausting the most advanced pleasures of a civilization that could not do enough for one of her greedy appetite this she told to lady canby that is a mistake rejoined the sagacious octogenarian who was a year older in body and a year younger in brain if you exhaust everything in this world nothing will be left for you but to try the next and i don't think you are quite prepared for that my dear perhaps not i never set up for being a saint no that is a pleasure you have not yet exhausted why not try it because i am no hypocrite what is the use of pretending to be goody-goody when you are not saints are holy not goody-goody it's the same thing it might be with you certainly but you are not the sort to be canonised well i don't know a sinner is the raw material out of which a saint is manufactured you can't be really good unless you have been really very bad that is useful information said lady canby dryly and very encouraging to people like yourself you might make an attempt at being st leah or st jezebel lady canby oh the old dame chuckled then you do know something of scripture yes but i don't quote it to annoy other people your tongue is quite clever enough to do without such aid my dear and don't lose your temper i'm only talking for your good disagreeable conversations are always prefaced by that remark yes i was thinking you might begin on your saintly career by endowing a church with this coal money they build churches very cheap nowadays you can have one of red brick and- there are too many churches and too few worshippers interrupted the duchess with a shrug besides i propose to endow myself with the coal money i dare say i shall give fifty pounds or so to lionel for his paupers you must not ruin yourself my dear said lady canvey with affectionate spite i thought that lionel as a married man and the vicar of firmingham had nothing to do with paupers there are none in the parish there at least there were none in pentland's time she ended with emphasis i suppose you mean to hint that jim is stopping his charities and putting on the screw don't distress yourself godmother everything is as it was save that our tenants and villagers are more gorged and much more impudent lionel doesn't appreciate the godliness of his heritage because his parishioners pay their rents regularly and come to church without the whip they are so pious that his occupation is gone that would not suit an energetic christian like lionel it doesn't he and joan take pleasure trips into the lambeth slums and ask seedy ruffians to stay with them in the country what with converted burglars and wives who assure you they haven't been beaten for weeks the place is quite a whitechapel paradise lionel preaches to the ruffians and joan listens to the wives with whole skins i believe they join forces to wash the children oh they have rollicking times at firmingham vicarage i assure you very meritorious times said lady canvey reprovingly quite like the primitive christian church less clean i fancy and more ungrammatical murmured leah don't mock my dear lionel is a noble man i quite agree with you and without mockery jim is also a noble man in a different sense if you will forgive the pun it is unworthy of your wit i cannot always be pyrotechnical you need flint and steel to strike fire and i find no flints amongst the idiots i have to entertain do you know godmother leah stared into the fire i often wish that lionel had remained the duke and your husband had been really a corpse how like you well said the duchess cheerfully jim might have been of some use if his what do you call those things oh yes if his vortices had combined with other elements to grow into plants and sheep and cows and generally do the sort of things which vortices are supposed to do but as a duke he is a failure i don't exactly know what you mean by your heathen talk of vortices snapped lady canvey dust we are and unto dust shall we return not jim protested leah he would return to mud he just looks as though he were made of sticky clayey stodgy mud it is not original to abuse your husband i know that but you are too old-fashioned to admire originality lady canvey thumped with her stick vigorously do not be so desperately sharp leah you make my head ache by the way i have news for you about that nice boy you treated so badly i have treated so many nice boys badly billy richardson algy turner harry asked you the last he is to be married i knew that a year ago he left before jim came home to make some spanish creature his wife miss mamie Mulrady does not sound like a spanish name that girl you don't say so leah looked genuinely surprised i suppose signorita fallardo would not have him perhaps she is waiting for mr baring who is he oh um, a friend of mine she put up her muff to hide a smile i know that u s a heiress a nice girl if she did not affect the wild west of which she knows absolutely nothing no doubt she thinks it chic to let europeans hear the american eagle scream in the vernacular fancy and to ask you a good match for him i suppose he will call pounds shillings and pence collectively dollars now that he is brother to george washington i don't think so mrs askew will probably be more english than the english she might easily be that since the english are mostly aliens nowadays well i must go good-bye i have enjoyed my hour i always do with you godmother such a clever tongue i am not leaving you any money my dear please don't your grandson is finding that opera dancer expensive give canvey your savings and his lady love will dance professionally on your grave i'm glad cats don't talk said the old woman addressing no one in particular one is quite enough ah they do talk then laughed leah and having got the last word slipped away before lady canvey could rally her forces the duchess well wrapped up in expensive furs stepped into the crisp air thinking of askew and his triple dip into the matrimonial lucky-bag lola marjorie the fixture and mamie mulrady not to speak of herself whom he would have married had she cared to call herself by his unpretentious name certainly he was a man unfettered by prejudices in love affairs dark or fair tall or short and of any nationality he adored them all in an entirely respectable fashion which included a ring and a parson though i don't believe the silly boy knows what love is thought leah passing into piccadilly she was walking for exercise towards the park but people of that ignorant sort always seem to land on their feet like the cats lady canvey spoke of i have landed very comfortably myself i wonder why i can't love any one how is it that no man can stir me into experience of the grand passion lately leah had taken to analysing herself with fatal results it seemed to her that she was shallow since nothing in the world made any difference to her or could make her feel if jim had dropped dead of the apoplectic fit which was waiting for him she would merely have shrugged her shoulders had the old duke come back to claim the title she would have had small regret in surrendering it everything seemed trivial and dull and vulgar a remark made by lionel occurred vividly to her at this moment you will never be truly happy he had said until you are truly sorrowful it was an unintentional epigram on the vicar's part as he was dense like all the Cames family but it was clever enough to be true only and here was the hopelessness of her life she saw no chance of becoming sorrowful in any degree since her indifference nullified deep feelings of any sort i suppose i shall have to run in this society circus till i die she thought drearily what a clown's destiny the mention of one lover naturally recalled the name of another and by the time she passed apsley house thoughts of demetrius were running in her head not a word had she heard of him since his enforced journey to siberia via paris havre and kronstadt katinka aksakoff might have supplied information only that katinka for reasons which leah guessed rather than knew had disappeared some nine months ago according to m aksakoff she was ruralizing on his volga estates and her health forbade an exciting life the duchess did not quite believe this smooth explanation and yet at times she fancied that the diplomatist might have taken her advice regarding the shepherding of an infatuated child it was then by one of those curious coincidences perfectly explicable to the psychological mind that the man himself glided to her side he looked as tall and lean as ever but his eyes were less direct in their gaze and he did not seem to exercise his former self-control leah and he had met but rarely during the past year owing to her retirement consequent on morning observances and when they did meet each had avoided mention of that memorable afternoon in paris but when he crossed leah's path thus unexpectedly and when her head was filled with demetrius and with the woman demetrius did not love she resolved to learn the worst or the best after greeting she began to speak with unconventional abruptness where is your daughter monsieur on my volga estate he replied nervously and from his averted eyes she made sure he was lying badly in siberia you mean he turned with a start how do you know that i am right then aksakoff clasped and unclasped two restless hands over the knob of his cane i really cannot say i do not know why you should make that observation after i have informed you of my daughter's whereabouts i make it because i am a woman and being such i know that katinka's love for that waxed moustache creature will lead her perhaps has led her even into siberian wilds aksakoff stopped under the achilles statue and probed her mind with his eyes do you really think so i do does my thought confirm facts he resumed his walk with a troubled face i will be frank with you madame since we both know that constantine demetrius left paris on that afternoon en route to siberia i know nothing of the sort contradicted leah sharply yet you have admitted that the man is in siberia the duchess laughed carelessly all russians go as naturally to siberia as cockneys to margate it's a kind of bank holiday with them i suppose why not be frank with me madame i rather think that i should ask you that question i never answer questions said leah coolly it seems a lot of trouble but i make statements and one is that demetrius and the woman who loves him are in siberia do you really think so said the diplomatist repeating himself i do think so but surely you know aksakoff shook his head katinka refused to marry her cousin petrovitch after the disappearance of demetrius she questioned me continually about him and showed me the letter and enclosure which you had sent a very diplomatic letter if i may say so i of course denied that i knew anything she appeared to be satisfied yet nine months ago she left my house left this country to rusticate on your volga estates that was my excuse for her disappearance and i beg of you madame to accept that excuse in society for the sake of her good name and mine she nodded and he went on gravely i confess to you madame that i do not know where she is you suggest siberia it is possible i fancy so seeing she is infatuated with the man but how could she possibly learn that he was there leah asked this question a trifle nervously for there seemed to be something menacing in the strange behaviour of katinka very easily you sent her the letter supposed to have been written by constantine demetrius in paris what letter is that she asked obstinately the russian's eyes flashed you must know madame and you do know that the letter was forged for your safety the duchess stopped abruptly and became as ice in manner and speech you talk very strangely monsieur my safety was never in danger so far as i know your anxiety makes you indiscreet and thinking so i pardon the indiscretion aksakoff knowing that she would continue to feign ignorance even in the face of aggressive facts apologized with a bow since it mattered very little in that forged letter he was determined to stick to the word was the name of helfmann dr helfmann she corrected i gave him that degree madame said Aksakov dryly. helfmann is one of our secret police then you had no business to introduce such a creature into my rooms said leah angrily pardon the crime is twelve months old to proceed katinka knew the real business of this man and may have learned the truth or enough of it to make her journey to siberia tomsk yes tomsk he leaned his stick on the ground his hands on the stick and stared vaguely at the leafless trees assuredly tomsk is dr demetrius there aksakoff nodded vaguely i wish you a good day madame said he and turned away abruptly without raising his hat the omission of a usual courtesy either betrayed his absence of mind or showed what he truly thought of the duchess of pentland leah having a tender conscience chose to assign the latter reason and resolved to cut the man if he should dare to speak to her again but what can you expect from the russian bear she said resuming her walk it ended in curzon street she and jim rented the ducal residence to a wealthy american and retained the smaller mansion on the plea that their happiest days had been spent there this excuse was of course a lie but every one believed it and said how touching it was to see that a duke and a duchess could be so human and after all leah really did like the cot of her humble days it was pleasant to think that she had been lady jim of curzon street and had taken her title in that way just like a peer in his own right sometimes she regretted that she was simply a duchess and not lady jim as of old then she had enjoyed life now she found it excruciatingly dull and it was all the fault of demetrius who had taught her more exciting methods of passing time than by killing it when in the drawing-room she recalled the conversation with aksakoff and began to think that there were troublesome days ahead if katinka had learned the truth through Helfmann, she was assuredly hovering round tomsk in the hope of aiding demetrius to escape should she be successful as so determined a girl might easily be the man would return to this island of refuge breathing out vengeance of the direst leah had often contemplated a possible escape followed by a certain return and the contemplation invariably produced a shudder now that there seemed to be some ground that the man who knew all and would tell all might come to england she was conscious of rising spirits the feeling puzzled her i ought to be shaking in my shoes she reflected but i feel rather pleased than otherwise i am spoilt for a life of cotton-wool and policemen at every corner danger is the sole thing which amuses me that must be the explanation of my feeling jolly i expect the heroes and heroines of cheap novels feel the same when they settle to a dull marriage after pages of hair-breadth escapes she was perfectly right leah pentland was a bad woman mainly because she had been looked after too carefully it required upheavals to bring the possible best out of her she had behaved unscrupulously and basely in dealing with the insurance fraud because that was the sole adventure which had come her way but had the adventure been heroic and noble she would have enjoyed it quite as much and would have struggled quite as bravely the reckless way in which she pulled the whiskers of death when throned on her motor car was characteristic of the woman given danger and she blossomed into a heroine good or bad as circumstances served at heart she was no vapid society woman and her fiery pursuit of aimless pleasures merely showed her restless and masculine temperament danger braced her at times during her first taste of it she had certainly given way from overstrained nerves but now she was steeled to the worst that could happen blooded to the open trail baptized in unholy fire if katinka and demetrius returned to london to give battle she was certain absolutely certain that she could beat them single-handed katinka she felt was the more dangerous of the two well let her come let him come and victory be to the self-confident leah was so sure of her triumph that she did not even cast a thought to her hard-worked fetish all the same she kept the peacock's feather constantly in her pocket jim said the duchess that night after a tete-a-tete dinner when the pair reached the coffee-stage let us sell up drop our rank and go to canada the duke stared as well he might good lord pooh why do you not say damn as i feel inclined to do jim still stared with infantile blue eyes you say such queer things he objected fishing for a cigar i should like to do them oh why wasn't i born a real live man i should have lived 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 well said jim stolidly clipping his weed you live now don't you in a satin-lined rosewood jewel box if you call that living i see what you mean confessed the duke lighting up same here i was ever so much jollier aboard that dirty tramp i slugged one of the crew a finn he was a hulking finn who thought i was a world-crawler and no man they carried him away in bits finished jim with the battle light in his blue eyes leah looked at him curiously jim i really believe that we might understand one another you and i are meant to be pals and not a conventional man and wife if you were only a backwoodsman i should adore you and do the washin and the scrubbing and the cookin i fancy i see you puttin your back into that sort of work leah honey-pots are more in your line i am as sick of honey-pots as you are all this dressing and undressing and court functions and paltry pigeon-shooting and skating at princes on sham ice and yachting at cows and a floating hotel oh lord how it bores me you're always bored grunted her husband unsympathetically can you wonder at it when i have to go round and round and round in a decorated ring like a trick pony if i were a woman it would be satisfactory no doubt well said jim obtusely ain't you a woman leah sprang from her chair and flung out her arms with a deep chest breath i am a man she announced in resonant contralto tones i feel like one anyhow didn't someone say there was no sense in this grown-up business well i am like that up to the time you went after lola Fajardo, i did enjoy things all round but somehow i feel as though the bottom had dropped out of creation drop lola for also then growled the duke colouring i never went near her because you couldn't the serpent in the bamboo eh jim i don't care anything for her now leah looked at him steadily i am glad of that because you belong to me to me and much you think of me i think you are extremely selfish and desperately weak with even ugly women and quite a brute when you don't get your own pretty way and in short you are a man a glorious lord of creation oh drop rotten i am not rotting as you delicately put it like myself this sugary civilization has spoiled you if you had to earn your bread i should respect you jim i might even love you yes she considered for a moment i dare say it might come to that jim was growing bewildered what does all this mean was his very natural interrogation his wife bewildered him still more by acting in a way which made him gasp she walked round the table and standing at his back placed her arms around his neck i'll tell you jim i've just found out by my very own self that you and i are cave people pitchforked into the wrong century we live ten thousand years too late just think of it ten thousand years of life and death let us go back to the mud jim and take up the life where we left it when you were killed spearing that mammoth leah his head was thrown back and his eyes stared upward in alarm i know what you think but i am as sane as you are and ten times cleverer no she loosened her arms from his neck and locked them behind her look at me jim am i a doll the startled duke wheeled his chair and stared at her brilliant eyes no longer hard and cold at her stately figure her splendid red hair her clearly cut face flushed and animated you're a ripping fine woman said he his sluggish pulses stirred so you think so the world thinks yet i have to live in a wadded box like a wax doll i want to get out of that box it stifles me chokes me i am sick of the tents of shem and wish to house under those of esau you and i will take the privilege of rank and be eccentric as pals we'll get on much better than as a mayfair man and wife of the wrong sort beyond the borders of this horrid civilization that is buy a yacht jim a tramp hulk with those triple expansion engines you told me about and let us make for the south seas there's a clear path down channel let us explore let us venture into the naked lands and exploit the fringes of the empire i want to live to live you understand oh she cried almost fiercely can't you understand no said jim truthfully and as stolid as ever you have your rank to think of and my name the fire died out of leah's eyes the colour from her face the ring from her voice even her figure seemed to dwindle from that of a tragedy queen into a conventional belgravian wife then she laughed shortly and in a way which jim did not approve of in his duchess i beg your pardon pentland said leah using his title to mark the far recoil i took you for a man you are nothing but a society gramophone jim would have resented this contemptuous description but that she gave him no time to formulate an idea in his slow-thinking brain with swift steps she left the room and ascended to her boudoir there after locking the door with a strength which disordered the lock she flung herself face downward on the sofa and cried quietly passionately with that suppressed anger and grief and rage which rends the body and brain so terribly jim could not would not understand he was what he always had been the sole Goderine pig into which a devil-kin had not entered can i never put fire into that clay savagely only god could have done that and she did not believe in god but the fetish was in her pocket chapter thirty